All right, we are talking on family this month. Today, I want to talk about the loving leadership of the husband and the wife or the single parent. I'm using Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. I'm reading the NIV. It reads as follows. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, in Paul's time, when Paul wrote this, he wrote it to a people who were not in that culture. There were certain practices that were done which were very, very destructive and very opposite to what Paul was talking about. In Paul's time, at the time in which he wrote this to the church in Ephesus, the women were seen as inferior beings. They were seen as playthings for a dominant male. And so Paul was writing to them to correct that and to try to show them something that's different. See, in these days, when you talked about being the head of the house, they accepted it as the fact that the man has all the authority and he can dominate and run over people in his house. Children and wives were seen only as responsible to obey what he says in everything. So even if your husband told you to do something that was against your conscience and against the scriptures you were supposed to obey, the wife in these days was not considered to be equal to her husband as a person. It was like the woman is a lesser being. And the needs of the man were the only ones that were considered. His needs and concerns dominated the household. So whatever he wants, that's what's done. Come on through. Even Lahojiwa chicken is the favorite party of chicken. And so the wife really in these days, in this culture, existed only to fulfill the needs of the man and to serve him. But Paul is giving a different view altogether. Much as he uses the same word or expression or phrase of the man being the head of the wife, he balances that with something else. In this instance, women are seen as of equal worth and equal value. And that's what we believe. And that's what the Bible says. When God made man, the Bible says God made man in his own image. In the image of God made he him, male and female created he them. So male and female are created in the image of God. Tell your neighbor you are created in the image of God. Tell your other neighbor you are created in the image of God. So women, Paul was teaching, they are to be seen as of equal worth and equal value. And even in the structure of society, even though men are given the role of being the head of the wife, God still affirms the role of the woman. By their headship, men, they ought to copy from Christ. The Bible says about Christ, he loved the church. Though he is the head of the church, he loved the church. His headship, in other words, focused its attention on the one who is loved. The headship in these days focused in its, its attention on being superior and others called to serve or being subordinate. But Christ portrays a different picture. He says he is there to give himself. Somebody say give himself. If you are sitting next to your husband, say you must give yourself. Even the new ones, your prospective husband, tell them you're going to... Yeah. Give himself to the church. Note, give himself up for the church, 
to present her to himself a glorious church, a radiant church without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish, but present to himself a church that is holy and blameless. So Christ's role is to minister to the bride, the church, give himself up for the church, lay his life down for the church, present it to himself, make it to be a radiant and a glorious church. Christ doesn't abuse the church by laying his hands on the church. He doesn't beat up the church and give the church scars. Christ does not abuse the church. Yes, he's the head of the church, but he has given himself in a sacrificial way for the church. And Paul is saying that's what the man must do. When you met her, she was a beautiful girl. Treat her as a beautiful girl. When you met her, your heart skipped a bit. Let it continue skipping the bit. When you saw her, you chased her and you pursued her and you wooed her and you tried her and you enticed her and you pleaded your case and you gave her gifts and you treated her nice and, and your voice was nice and your voice was soft and, and you gave gifts and, and there was nothing you couldn't do for her. And now that you're married to her, continue in the same. Oh, shaba yaba yaba. And Paul is saying that's how a man must love his wife. Yes, he's the head. Christ nourishes the church, cares for the church. But in the same way, the husbands ought to nurture their wives. Not that she is not self-sufficient. Not that she can't take care of herself. You need to seek ways to help her maximize inner potential as a person, as a Christian, and as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So this was totally different to what the people in Ephesus were used to. Suddenly, things are reversed. The wife is transformed from an unimportant adjunct who exists only to meet her husband's needs. But she's now elevated to a person of intrinsic worth and intrinsic value, becoming the focus of her husband's concerns. You remember when you saw her? Ne? You could single her out in the midst of a crowd. I remember this pastor who's, uh, that I know. He told me when he first saw his wife, before he got married, he says, you know, he was preaching at a university. You know, it was a student Christian movement thing. So here he's preaching, he's, he's in the spirit. He says, after the service, I sought her out. I wanted to know, where is she? I mean, like looking for a needle in a haystack. And I found her. And I'm glad to report to you, ladies and gentlemen, they've been married now for more than 25 years. Isn't that amazing? You don't stop courting her, loving her, going after her. How's the poop patch? Yeah, even if she's working, even if she doesn't need your money, Marwa Patch.
Yeah. But in the same way, the wife, therefore, is to respond to that love in a way to honor him and respect him as the head of the home. Now, headship doesn't mean he knows everything. Headship doesn't mean he's intelligent in everything. Headship doesn't mean she is less of any value. Headship simply means leadership. We have headship in companies called CEOs. We have headship in governments called presidents or prime ministers. We have headships in all kinds of things, political movements. You call them comche. And we know that comche, CEO, president, prime minister, they are tasked with the responsibility of leading. There comes a point when we need to understand that and honor that and respect that. Even Lukozim Honanu, the army, what it has done, it still tries to honor the office of the president. Even if other things must change. In fact, today, today, today. Oh, some of you, you don't know. Tell your neighbor, Look at your neighbor and say, But she is to respond to him and honor him. How? In the way you talk to him? In the way you show respect? How meeting to How much And it's important for us to say these things in these days when these things are being disputed. That we are fully fledged human beings and we all have our dignity and our rights doesn't in any way mean we ought to move against these things that God has spoken in his, his, in his word. When a man loves a woman like that, she'll find it easy to respond to his leadership. But by the same token, if you don't zing zong him, tell your neighbor what zing zong means. <laughs> he finds it easy as well to show love. It's very difficult to love a woman who doesn't show respect. It's very difficult. Even if you want to discipline yourself, it's very difficult. And may I say, Basil, and I'm going to say it now, and I'm going to take a risk on you. I'm going to take a risk on you. You know, we are in a country where women are really being abused and it's awful. And that must change. And we, we must hang our heads in shame as men and say, not in my name. It's an awful thing. And if you are an abuser, you need to change. And we can help you change. But you see, I've seen some of the ladies take advantage. Because Don't worry. No, don't worry about me. I, I preach. I preach. I'm not, I'm not looking for your votes. I'm just going to preach. See, I've been pastoring for many years. And one of the things I've seen that is a phenomenon that is a worrying factor now. Is that in the, in the, in the, in the, with the heart of trying to correct the wrongs of the past we also move to the other extreme. I've seen some of the guys, Baba Zalwan, who are abused by their wives. Yeah. And because he knows, he knows he's, he's well behaved. So I can just say anything to the guy. Yeah. See, but, but the Bible says we mustn't do that. I need to love my wife like Christ loved the church. 
But she needs to also show honor and respect to me. Like the church shows honor and respect to Christ. She cannot overlook my leadership in the home. She can't go to my children and make them feel like I can mix. Even if I'm unemployed. She, she cannot uh, treat me like that. She shouldn't. Now, that's the Christian way. I'm not talking about in the world. In the world, you can argue it on radio. You can argue it on talk radio tomorrow. That's up to you. You can do that. But I'm talking about what God says we must do in the church. I never will forget a few years ago, one of the leading ladies in our country. I don't remember what portfolio she was, she was in, but she was quite highly ranked. And uh, she was actually talking to a group of young people. She said, now when I get home, uh, I honor my husband. She said, yeah, at work, Mona, in politics, I'm top. He reports to me. The roles are reversed. And I thought, what a mature way. It's not, it's not suggesting inferiority. It doesn't mean you're inferior to your boss at work. You're not. But it means because he's leading, he bears the responsibility. See, the day the family stands before God, God's going to ask the husband, if you're a husband and wife, or as a single parent, Male or female, God's going to ask you about that home. And so, instead of keeping the woman under, this man seeks to lift her up. So Christian headship lifts the wife to her rightful place. As one that the husband loves. And it is in this context that the husband serves by being a Christ-like head. And the wife, therefore, serves in a responsive submission to one who lifts her up her up and holds her beside him. So headship in this instance has to do with loving leadership. Let's explain this. What is leadership? Leadership is simply the ability to motivate others to follow you to the, to the understood objective or to the vision. Every home must have a vision. As the head of the home, whether you're a single parent, husband or wife or husband, whoever it is who is the head of the home, you need to have a vision for your home. You know, it's unfortunate, but it's so strange. You know, we, we, we come into the end of the year. Many of us, I'm sure by now, you've already put your goals for 2018. But you know what's funny is that people never put goals for their homes. They don't. It's very rare where you see people saying, in my home, I want to see A, B, C, D. So you're going to have a vision for your home. Tell your neighbor, the way you are quiet, it sounds like you haven't written anything yet, so... So the husband and the wife team or the single parent need to provide leadership. The word leader itself suggests the existence of a destination or a goal. In other words, if you're going to lead others, he or she, you must have some place in mind where you are leading them. What kind of home do you want to have? Do you want to have a strife-filled home? Every day? Do you want to have a home that is filled with love? Do you want to have a home that, is, that, that exalts Christ? Do you want to have a home of, that, of successful people? What kind of home do you want to have? Jesus underscores the importance of leadership. When we read in Matthew 15, 14 and Luke 6, 38. And he says, if leadership doesn't have proper goals, then there's problems. He puts it this way. He says, leave them, they are blind guides. He says, if the, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. So if you don't see and you lead people who don't see, it's going to be a problem. I hope this is not 
counted as being insensitive to people who can't see. That's not the context in which Jesus was saying it. So please forgive us. If you're blind, it's not in that context that we're saying it. A leader must have a vision of where he or she is going. And they must be able to impart that vision to those who follow them. A leader knows what needs to be done and persuade others in doing it. And, and of course, the vision can be crafted by you as a family sitting down to say, this is what we want to do next year. And you take that responsibility to lead the family and put that vision in front of everybody all the time. We need to do that. But you know, we don't do that in homes. You know, we just meet and whatever and we just move on and you know, there's no goal, there's no whatever. And yet, you have your short-term goals and your medium-term goals and, and you have your strategic vision and your whatever. You go to workshops, but when it comes to the home, we just let everything just is a And this is why I believe as churches, we need to be saying a lot about the home. Because when you look around Bazalana, there are no institutions that empower a home. We have all kinds of institutions that help you in this, that, or the other. Very few of them, if any, that work with the home. Can I hear an amen? amen. I'll take any amens because there are a few today. So any amen, any half-hearted amen, I'll take it too, please. Yes. So a leader knows the things that need to be done and you need to persuade others to follow you. A leader of God's people, whether in the church, in the home, you must have a God-given direction, which means this. You need to pray about the direction of your home. Pray for your family members. You must make certain that you are leading your family in the direction that God wants them to go. And for that reason, you must personally be pursuing God's objectives. In other words, you can't lead the family if you yourself are not an example in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If your vision is that your family should go to church, Marwana Saigo King, ah. See, when you, when you do it by example, you have a moral high ground. You can tell them, you can't do this because I don't do it. Why don't you say, I'm going to 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 say, i Hmm? it's a much stronger position for you to be able to lead your family because you are there you can teach your children about a quiet time because they see you having a quiet time hmm? you can tell them when they are married to treat their wives well if they are guys in my case because at least I've tried to treat their mother well maybe I can score a 10 out of 10 maybe Five and a half out of ten. No, I think it's higher than that. But you can do that. Yeah. But you can't lead a family if you haven't been there yourself. See, it weakens our leadership voice when we violate the very things that we tell other people to do. It's a much stronger thing to do that. My father one day, and my father asked me one question I couldn't answer. He said, oh, I know what I did. It's my secret. And my father asked me one question. He says, and you know, I 
thought, you know, I've never seen him do this. I wrote this. I'm a quiet in see your monthly yakam. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, when he came from work, he would go home, and he was home at a certain time. And the, I know I grew up in Nahona Lake, a few go high. I knew I'm supposed to be home at a certain time. Let's go to the Kinalin Cheve, Kinalukulu, I had to be at home. Or otherwise, if I'm not there at that time, I needed to report and say, because that's what he did. Vumanebo. So as a leader, you must motivate those in your family to pursue God's goal and assist them in every way. Be involved in the lives of your children. And as the head of the home, be involved in the life of your wife as well. When she's trying to pursue something, be the first one to encourage that. Don't feel intimidated because now she's going to be more educated than you. It's for the benefit of your family. Yeah. It's for the benefit of the family. Lewana me also we create a degree. Uskaru wabana. Runa wabana. Lady degree. Aritzebe wabana. Hey. Don't do that. Help your children when you see your children. Be the first one to celebrate them. Be there physically. You are the, you are the leader of a home. Yeah. Talk to them about vision. Celebrate Lebona. Those things. You know. I was sharing in the first service. It's, it's not working well right now with our boys, but we'll, we'll resume it. You know, I went through a period of money. I went through a period of money. I went through a of course, everyone and I say, look, listen, we'll go out. And uh, when we've gone out, I'll do anything you want me to do. As, no, I'm happy. Let me qualify. <laughs> Before I get I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do as long as it's scriptural. <laughs> and it's legal. <laughs> anything. So you'd go out and we'd talk. And you know, it's kind of hard when you're doing it for the first time. It's awkward because you just sit there and there's nothing to say. You know, anyhow, you just sit there and there's nothing. To, but you know, very soon you get involved in the lives of your children. See, take that initiative. You know, why she did some courses and she got involved in this and that and that. Be the first one. You're the leader of a home. A leader is there to encourage. Yeah, a leader is there to lift others up. Yeah, that's what being a head is. It doesn't mean that it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. Jesus. You know? But you should be there to be an encourager for your children. I remember one guy who was kind of elderly talking about his dad and, and I, he said, he said, my most memorable time is when my dad made me to bank school. Because, you know, his dad at that time, he was traveling a lot. And he didn't have enough time to be with the son. So about, what's my king? The boy, the boy was still fairly young. I think he was still in primary school or something. You know, he doesn't know it. You know, he's so the father then at la munka But I think they went go cutting, you know. And the boy thought, yeah, my dad is cool. My dad is cool. But you know, he was in his 40s when he was talking about this, but he remembered that. I mean, how much sacrifice do you make for that? 
It's nothing. But look how it forms your child. How it molds your child. Yeah, that's what leadership is about. Yeah, I think I'll take anything like that. They don't want to do that for me today. So leadership is the ability to recognize and develop the potential in others. A leader must not only be goal-centered, but a leader must also be people-centered. So in other words, as a leader, you not only are interested in what they want to do, you are interested in them as people. You try to lead them to a level where they can fully maximize in their potential. You are able to discern where your family is at, where the people are at. You know, some families, but I was saying in the first service, you know, one of the things I really encourage us to do, if we can, is to have the family altar. I haven't always done it all the time, I must confess. But you know, the family altar, Barcelona, it's an important time where you just sit around and you pray together. Now, please, don't, don't go for a, a three hours of prayer. People won't be interested. Just 30 minutes. Just 15 minutes. And, and, and when you pray, don't pray the prayers as camp. Let's what happened as camp. Guru, you are praying, Mara. It's a message for your son or your daughter. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Don't pray those kind of prayers. Those prayers are not good. In fact, those prayers are not prayers at all. I don't think God responds to the prayer as camp. All I say about Is it because you have prayed it at some point? But let it be a time genuinely where you as a family jointly together, you pray. And then the best thing is to start with just find out how everybody is. You know, this really, really taught us something many years ago when one of our sons was in primary school. You know, I think he was 10 years old or so. And, and so when we, were, when we were going around the room, you know, to say, how are you? How are you? And then he says, we must pray for a certain girl in his class. Aksahopola the name. Anybody give me any name? Give me any girl's name. I'll use it. Lerato. You must have been in the seven o'clock service. So let's call her Lerato. So, so he says, can we pray for Lerato? So you know how parents are, ne? I, I, I thought to myself, yo, Lerato, oh. I wonder. So we're teasing him and say, yo, Lerato. So he started getting emotional. He says, yeah, Lerat. So I thought, sure, this Lerato has affected my son. <laughs> and then he said, uh, yeah, Lerato, uh, let's pray for her. Uh, she passed on last week. Yeah. And uh, I used to share the same desk with her. Ish. And I thought about it. This, this young man has been carrying this since the previous week. But our inability to gather around and talk. A child has been going through this trauma. You know, we live such busy lives where we never check in with one another. Yeah. Many families, we don't have time with each other. We don't have time. When we get home, we sit there, television. Or better still cell phones. Yeah, we are on WhatsApp, we are on Instagram, we are on tweets, eh? we are on everything, everything. We're surfing the net, name it, we are on everything. In fact, I was watching this, I think I was, I was going through Hong Kong one day, and I saw this, this family, I knew, I, I, 
I knew that they were a family. They were all sitting together as a family. You know, nobody was talking to anybody. All of them, they were on their... There's, there's a family. And then they will say, my friend. And I said, my friend is there hooked up with their friend through Facebook. So the friend has become impersonal. It's no longer someone you are sitting next to. And everybody... I was saying, when I have grandchildren, one of the rules is if they want to come and see me, I want uninterrupted time, Lebon. I don't know if we will be still using cell phones. It will be something more advanced. But whatever it is, they must put it aside. I want to talk to them. Even if it can be for 30 minutes, they can pick it up later on. Yeah. Did you know something that research is showing? In fact, Honako Honko, in, in some of the eastern countries right now, they even have programs where they're trying to rehabilitate people from cell phone addiction. Yeah. Yeah. These smartphones haven't made us smart at all. <laughs> the phone is smart, but we are not. Because what they've done is, whatever little time we've had with one another, we are in it. So we, we, we are very impersonal in, in, in the way we relate. You know? Because when you talk to somebody, you, you get to see them, hear them, see their facial expressions. There are things that you cannot say to somebody when you're looking at them face to face. But through text messages, yo, you can just let it rip, man, I tell you. You just, just give them a piece of your mind. Because they don't see you, you know. Or, or send them some emoji or something. Or, you know, or, but, 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 you know. And so what's happening Barcelona, through this is that I challenge you as a leader in the home. To say, as from tomorrow, Monday, we're going to take time in our families, even if it's just for 15 minutes in the evening. You know, your hand clapping, there's pain in it, but come on, just do it. It's fine. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I will challenge you. How many of you are heads of families here? Heads of families. Okay. Would you all stand, please? We are the head of the family. Single parent, husband, wife, whatever. Husband, wife, can you stand? Give them a big hand, Bazalana. We love them. We love them. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. No, no, remain standing. I'm going to pray for you. We want to pray for you. I want to make a suggestion. In fact, I want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. Between today and next week, Sunday, all right, Maybe we won't count today, but from tomorrow to Saturday, which is just six days. I'm going to ask you to try this, even if it's for two days. For two days. Where you're going to have a family altar. It's always best in the evening when everybody's back. Right? If it is that you eat together, because you know these days the way holding cutting, everybody will eat this morning. I'm just trying to show you what has become of us. Just trying to show you what has become of us. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying things shouldn't be that way. I'm just saying there are some dysfunctions that are a big problem. So, here it is. You decide to meet together just for 15 minutes or 30 minutes. No cell phone, right? Except if it's in flight mode and you're using it to read the Bible. But no cell phone, no television. All right. Start first of all by checking in with one another to just say, how was your day? 
All right? And after that, what can we pray for? And after that, a few words of encouragement and take time to prayer. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Several things are going to happen. The first thing is, you'll be shocked how awkward it's going to feel. That you can sit there in icy silence. And only then you'll realize how you've drifted from one another. It's even worse. Because you're going to sit there and look at each other and you don't have anything to say to each other except to zing-zong one another. So I'm saying, take the zing-zong away. Okay? The de-zing-zorized atmosphere. Right? Take that away and say, so that's the first thing that might happen. The second possibility is that people will not talk. They will say, Mara, they want bachule. on top. The third thing that will happen is that some will say, some will not want to say anything. Now, stay with that process. Do it the following day. Keep at it and you tell me after one month if it's not going to improve the quality of your home. Now, here's the problem, Asalan. When this happens, here's the problem. As we drift from one another, what happens is when times of crisis comes, we have nothing that helps us that has connected us. And even as we grow and mature, as we all become independent and everything, people move away from one another and they never check in with each other. I pray to God that we never get to that stage. As Batubabat, whereas you are old, you're going to be thrown into an institution and your children will never come and see you. But you see, you cannot create a closeness and a proximity that you are not in any way ensuring that you're doing something about it when things are still possible. Would you raise your hand as I pray for you? Father, I pray for all of us as we stand in the name of Jesus. Grant us the ability to lead our families well in a way that will honor you. Make it possible for us to have the family altar, to talk, to pray, to come before you and let the presence and the power of God come upon our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Before you sit down, go to someone who's standing, give them a high five and say, Utlabona, how my family is going to improve. Utlabona. Utlabona. Let me conclude because our time is gone. Eish. Let me show you the difference between loving leadership and domineering leadership. Loving leadership leads towards God's goals. Domineering leadership leads towards self-centered and manipulative goals. Number two, loving leadership has others' best interest in mind. Dominion leadership has own best interests in mind. Number three, loving leadership provides an example to follow. Domineering leadership expects conformity without a model. Number four, loving leadership recognizes others' limitations. Whereas domineering leadership drives others beyond their limitations. Number five, loving leadership demonstrates personal concern. 
Domineering leadership, on the other hand, takes people for granted. Six, loving leadership shows sacrificial love. Domineering leadership takes advantage of people. Seven, loving leadership releases others' potential. Domineering leadership stifles others' development. Eight, loving leadership is a humble channel of God's authority. Domineering leadership proclaims self-assumed authority. Wow. Loving leadership number nine is open to correction. Domineering leadership is not adjustable. Number 10, loving leadership values others' opinions. Domineering leadership, on the other hand, ignores others' opinions. Eleven, loving leadership evidences a humble spirit. But domineering leadership evidences an air of superiority. Twelve, loving leadership demonstrates a servant's heart. Like Jesus served the church. Domineering leadership expects others always to serve them. Thirteen, loving leadership gives credit where credit is due. Domineering leadership takes credit for others' accomplishments. Fourteen, Loving leadership brings others to maturity. Domineering leadership, on the other hand, makes others increasingly dependent on them. And 15, loving leadership uses discipline to help and to instruct others. But domineering leadership uses discipline to punish and to revenge others. And it's for us in the home, when the Bible says we are the head of the home, to take on this kind of headship. When it says we are the head of the home, it doesn't mean everybody must just bow to me. I do whatever I want and you can't ask me anything. But it means much as my position is recognized, much as it's a responsibility of the family to understand the position God has placed me into. But on the other hand, I do it in love. I do it in consideration. I pray that God will give us this kind of leadership in our homes. Can you imagine the homes we would have? Yeah, give the Lord a hand, Basala. Can you imagine the homes we would have if this is the way we were to live? And this is what Paul was talking about. You're the head of the home. These are the attributes that we need to have. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful today to know that 
we can lead in a Christ-like manner. We can lead in a way like Jesus led the church, gave himself for the church that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. That we may have homes like that, houses like that, No, God, we are not praying for perfection. But we're praying for the fullness of all that you want to do in our homes. Bless everyone under the sound of my voice, I pray. The children and the parents alike, the single parents and the children alike. Let that desire grow in our spirits and in our hearts to model these kinds of homes. For those who feel ill-prepared and inadequate to do these things, grant them the strength and the power and the anointing to be able to do that which will bring honor to your name. Give us the courage to start wherever we are, whatever level we are, as long as we can start. And thank you for your presence that will come upon our lives in Jesus' name. Would you join hands with your neighbor and begin to pray for them as well? Can you pray for them in the name of the Lord? Pray for them that God will grant them the strength to do what they need to do. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. Fear will not paralyze them, Father, I pray. They will not turn back. They will not hold back. But Father, they will rise the name of Jesus. Pray for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. 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 Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the strength. Just pray for them. Jesus. Breathe upon us. Mama nombre socorro de breve de Jesus. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. Mandoria socorro. Jesus, Sarabra Badabrasu. 
Jesus. We want more from you, Jesus. We're not going to allow our lives just to be ordinary. Thank you for your spirit that pushes us to other levels. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.